there. Welcome back to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. And this is not just another episode. It's our 50th episode. Wow, we've made it. 50 episodes in, and for the first time, you weren't surprised that we were on a podcast. I am not. You didn't do your normal, oh, hello there. I I've like come in. eased into, I, I'm no longer surprised by it because I've, I've come to terms with it. <laughs> I finally accepted the podcast into my life. Yeah. So that is the voice of my co-host, Andy. Hello, everyone. And I'm Samantha. And together we are a podcast about movies. What's the name of that podcast about movies? Uh, it's called I Love This, You Should Too. You might have heard of it. I have. Uh, I hear there's about 50 of them out now. Yeah. So they must be serious and big time. Serious and big time. Those are the two words that if you Google them, we come up. And you should tell all your friends. They got nothing going on right now. Exactly. People it's the perfect time to binge about 100 hours worth of podcast. What you should do is listen to our episodes and then watch all the movies with them. That's literally you giving you do? something to do. You're welcome. So, Indy, we're about 30 Eight days into our quarantine. It's almost a full quarantine. It's almost a quarantine a full, yeah. is 40 days. That's Actually, when this from. episode comes out, we'll be about 42 days into our quarantine. So Whoa. we will have finished a full quarantine and have moved on to the second one. But we're not so locked down anymore. We're no. allowed to go to a grocery store. We go running in the park. We wave at all the dogs. Yeah. And then we come home and shower. Yeah, and some get people all that germs off of us. are like super locked down. So I'm glad yeah. we're not there. Yeah, we're trying to just be responsible about it, you know, by baking all the bread and watching all the Instagram and keeping up with what's trendy on Netflix. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. I don't like those things. <laughs> bread? You don't like bread? I'm tr Well, I love bread. Everyone loves bread. Yeah. I have a heart and taste buds, don't I? <laughs> but I also have a belly and it's getting bigger. That's why I'm trying to stay away from baking the bread and eating it all up. I think you look great. Oh, thanks. But I'll try to just eat bananas. Nothing Only else. bananas? Yeah, I'm going to give that a shot, see how it goes. Okay. I think we should try some. What like... if I made banana bread? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, man. That's like marrying two worlds. That is also the coolest, newest thing on Instagram in banana the last bread? week. Yeah. I hate to break this to you, but <laughs> banana bread's been around for a long time. Well, no, but it's like everyone's trying to make banana bread. Oh, they should talk to my mom. Apparently, my mom's been cool for 30 years. Yeah, we should tell her. She has her own starters and bakes her own bread and banana bread. Yeah. She's secretly, like, Instagram hip. Yeah. Who knew? But she doesn't know. She doesn't have Instagram. No. <laughs> she just happens to be, like, She can doing... barely operate a phone. I know. Aw. They had to call me the other day because they needed to put on a DVD, <laughs> and uh, they don't know how to do it. So I walked them through... They took 21 minutes, but we got it on. So, Indy, are you about done with quarantine? Everyone hates quarantine, and with good reason, because a lot of people are having a hard time. I'm fine. Like, I've I relaxed into it. My photo work, I'm learning to play guitar, I watch movies, I go running. I wish I could play hockey. Yeah. And I wish I could see not even a lot of people, maybe just like three people. That's all I need. So really, I'm I'm doing all right. How about you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I think the other day we both said that we're talking to our families more than we usually do when we're not in quarantine. So I think that's kind of nice. I feel yeah. like I'm kind of developing a bond with your family too, because because we have families that don't live in the city with yes. us. So now we're talking to them on 
Skype or Zoom or Facebook or something like at least every once a week, week yeah. which I wasn't doing before. So no, that's nice. exactly. So it's it's kind of nice to like reconnect with people, and it sucks that it took like an entire um, like pandemic to make it happen. But uh, I think it's a good thing. So you're saying the virus is a good thing? Interesting take. No, interesting take. You heard I it hate here. It when you do this, I personally am anti-virus, but you know what? Different strokes for different folks. I am not pro-virus. <laughs> I am just pro-connecting with family. Okay. And I'm enjoying running. Are you? It doesn't sound like that at all. Eh, it comes and goes. My enjoyment. You were enjoying it today because today's your off day. Today was an off day, yeah. One of the things that we're doing in quarantine right now is watching a lot of content on streaming services. Yeah, you're all at home, you're watching stuff, or you need some good recommendations of what to watch, we got you covered. So we're going to be talking about probably the three most popular streaming services, at least here. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Netflix, Disney+, and Amazon Prime Video, and we'll each pick one good thing from there that our viewing, listening audience can go watch. Yeah, absolutely. So Indy, do you want to start us off with what you're watching on Netflix? On Netflix, I am going to pick something that won't surprise anyone, and that is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I feel like this goes well with my recent pick of being John Malkovich, because it has the same writer, Charlie Kaufman, who Uh I think is brilliant. This one, he actually won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Mm -hmm. And it's directed by Michel Gondry, who does a lot of really cool stuff and has a very unique style not in how a single still image would look on screen but the techniques he employs like his brand of special effect is is amazing and it's so different than anything we see today but it came out in 2004 it's rated 8.3 on imdb and 93 percent on rotten tomatoes and it kind of centers on the premise of This is a world where through a medical procedure, people can have certain memories erased. And specifically, relationships. It stars Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, and then also has um, like Elijah Woods in it, Mark Ruffalo, David Cross is in there for a little bit as well. But it's mostly Winslet and Carrey as our two romantic leads. And at different points, they're each erasing the other's presence from their minds. And the majority of this movie goes through Jim Carrey's eyes as he is going through this procedure of erasing Kate Winslet's character from his memories. But as it's erased, we experience this relationship. We're kind of living through his memories. So we see it when it's new and novel. We see it when it's stale and they're both getting bitter and vindictive. We see how they got there and why we all kind of go through that kind of thing and why they'll go there again. And as they're doing this, the characters can also comment on the moments retrospectively and live kind of in the future as they're looking back on their memories, but simultaneously living them as well. So you've seen this one, right? I have. Um, not since it was probably new-ish. 
Yeah, which is like, why way back I when. chose being John Malkovich over this to mm-hmm. do because you'd seen this one. But I actually think this is probably a better movie. Mm. It ends up being a little more hopeful as well than most of Kaufman's other work. <laughs> I might have to I might have to watch it in some spare time that I'll find at some point in the future. And I love that uh, I was talking about Gondry's special effects. And he uses all practical stuff. So there's no computer-generated stuff. Like, there is sequences where someone goes from a memory that they were in this bookstore to being in the house telling it. And how he does that is the person's in the store, they're walking out, and all the lights start turning off, and they walk through the door, but then that door connects to the living room. Like, he kind of builds sets together Mm -hmm. to do things rather than going the, the digital route. And because there's a lot of play on memory... You have things like houses falling apart as those memories are erased. Some people have blank faces because they just don't remember that person. Uh, memories blend together and you'll see like a beach and sand and ocean kind of come into a house because that those memories are blending. People are physically pulled out of memories and mm-hmm. they're almost like torn away like you'd see in a horror movie. Uh, there's forced perspective stuff because you see Jim Carrey remembering things as a child but you have him as his full like six foot something self but looking like a child Oh, but it's not done by shrinking or anything it's just all weird perspective things oh that's crazy and like giant tables for him to hide I don't think I remember this movie as well as I thought I did (laughs) (laughs) if you had the opportunity would there be any memories that you'd erase from your mind that's a really complicated question it really is being a Kaufman movie, that's that's how it goes. Because he gets into that kind of thing. And you have characters who erase the things, but then make those same mistakes or same choices, at mm. least. So then it kind of gets into like what we were talking about earlier with uh, determinism or free will or maybe everything set out and this is just who you are. If you erase your memories, are you changing yourself fundamentally? Because yeah. what are you more than uh, the sum of all your memories? Yeah. That's like, I don't, I don't know. I think I'd have to sit and think about that for a long time because I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I'm a sum of all of my experiences and stuff. So when you take something away, how does that affect all my future experiences? Yeah, because I can definitely think about like, well, there. I wish I hadn't had that relationship. But given the opportunity, would mm-hmm. I erase it from my mind? And no, I definitely would not. Exactly. I don't think I'd erase anything that took up a part of time because then that time was just for nothing. Yeah. No, exactly. Maybe the only thing I could think of is like some accidents I'd had once a, a sink fell on my foot, which I oh, yes. talk about a lot. That's right. You're scared of sinks. And so now like I, anytime I'm in a hotel and it has one of those pedestal sinks, I kind of flinch every time because yeah. it fell on me and cut me up and it ruined so much. Yeah. That all kind of stemmed from that one little thing. Accidents, it ruined my yeah. next two weeks. So things like that, maybe I could cut out because I'm not gaining anything from mm-hmm. being scared of pedestal sinks. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what I'd erase from my memory. I do. I feel like I'm a sum of everything that's happened to me thus far. So Yeah, so I think even the bad memories, I would choose to keep them. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could replace them with good memories, I would think about it. But just to have them not there, I would rather have I think it. all that struggle makes you, like... Who you are. Who you are. Yeah. And I think that that, like, affects you know, how you interact with other people on a day-to-day basis. So Absolutely. I, don't, I don't think I'd get rid of any of it. I agree. Another thing I like about this movie, it has like two very typical tropes we see in a lot of these kind of like smart, quirky, independent movies where you have your manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. 
and your bored indie artist guy. Mm-hmm. And but it shows you how both of those are terrible. <laughs> and in most movies, it's just so idealized of like, oh, here's a woman with bright colored hair. She's going to shake up my life. And that's just what I needed. But in this one, we get to see that she is not just fun and exciting, but she's unstable and demanding. And he's not just some artist who is introspective. He's emotionally distant. He's dependent. And I like that both of them are playing against type because you have Kate Winslet, who's often kind of a refined character, playing someone who's very, very out there. And Jim Carrey, who's really toning it down. And when he tones it down, I actually think he's a really good actor. Yeah. And he does that in this. I heard that uh, Michel Gondry, the director, would talk to them separately only. Mm -hmm. And he would say to Kate Winslet, like, remember, this is a comedy. Like, have fun with it. Go big. And he would talk to Jim Carrey and go, like, remember, you're not in a comedy. This is a drama. (laughs) You need to tone it down. Go small. It's all about, like, working with your kind of personality like what's going to work for that one person mm. i i do that with my athletes sometimes too that's what like coaches and directors yeah. they need to do absolutely that kind of i'll be like one person it doesn't work for another person so you have those individual talks with people and it gets you what you need yeah so it's um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is still on netflix it's a like a wacky fantasy but it's still a very grounded look about the excitement of a new love and the devastation of a lost one. It's mind-blowing and heartbreaking. Go check it out. It's a great movie. It sounds great the way you described it, and I've seen it. (laughs) I think I'm going to have to revisit that one. Yeah, I rewatched it while I was like typing up some notes for something else, and I just kind of had it on Mm because I remember it quite well. And yeah, it's good. There's things about it that I'd forgotten, and it goes into some interesting places that I'd forgotten, but it's... And again, like the other Charlie Kaufman movie we talked about, it's these like big kind of almost sci-fi ideas, but it looks nothing like that. It's yeah. really handheld and naturalistic. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Gondry's stuff is I remember really that impressive. about it. Is it not feeling like it was like a science fiction movie, but it is kind of a science fiction yeah. movie? Because um, it's not like a thing that you can do. Um, and I think that was what I liked about it. Yeah, because a movie with this subject matter could easily look like Ex Machina or Gattaca because that's what this kind of calls for often, in our mind at least. We associate Mm -hmm. those types of looks with this kind of subject matter. But the fact that they don't, it just makes it so real and you get to the emotion of it rather than this plot contrivance about this erasing memories through medical procedures. It's all about the uh, yeah the emotions of those two characters. That's awesome. So what do you got on Netflix? Uh, so I watched Unorthodox, which is based on a book um, by a woman named Deborah Falden. Um, and she basically ran away from the Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn. And she um, was very young. And this is kind of a tale that mirrors her tale. It's not exactly her like her story um but it's about a 19 year old jewish woman who runs away from an arranged marriage and has always felt that she's very different and doesn't really fit in and um she ends up making it to berlin and finds a group of um musicians and she's able to kind of start her life over again um but she's also pregnant and her husband does come and confront her in Berlin. So it's very um, 
action-packed. It's only um, four episodes long. They're each about an hour. Oh, interesting. It's very quick. Um, and uh, it is like gripping from beginning to end because um, I didn't know that much about uh, like the Hasidic Jewish community, um, but it was really amazing to see her move somewhere um, like Berlin because that's in Germany and they're all about um, replenishing the Jewish community after the Nazis killed off their people, basically. What so, year does this take place in? It's current day. Um, it's within the last 20 years at least um the book was written in 2012 so i'm assuming it's probably within you know that time frame um and it's amazing to see her like have to adapt um and kind of figure out how to tell people her story without feeling like she's um telling them all the bad things about her life which is really amazing because she really she talks very positively throughout the entire series about her life, and then she moves on to um, kind of telling more things, and slowly um, she gets taken into this group of friends, and they talk about um, kind of her her upbringing and her background, and she has no education, she has nothing except for being trained to basically be a mother and a wife, and. Uh, she um, has no idea how kind of regular life works. And it's really amazing to see her learn about how to use money in like a, a foreign country where it's money she's not used to and how to find lodging and how to um, kind of relate to people who aren't in her religious circle and uh, people that she had been told were evil and people that she had been told were like murderers and and that she would probably be struck down immediately upon talking to them so it's uh it's really kind of neat to see her growth throughout the entire thing um so four episodes and there's a really good um making of at the end because the entire thing is mostly in yiddish so the entire cast had to learn Yiddish. They had to kind of learn all these traditions. It was really neat to see um, how like seamlessly they were able to kind of pull that off. For people who didn't know how to speak Yiddish, weren't Hasidic Jews, didn't know how to um, like be in that lifestyle, and they they totally pulled it off. So the book is an autobiography, correct? Yes, yes. And this is kind of a fictionalized retelling of it? Yeah. In her book... Deborah Feldman in her book tells her story and then they used elements of her story to create this fictional character who went through a lot of the same kind of like trials and problems that she went through. Have you read the book as well? I am midway through it. Okay. So far, are you liking the book? Yeah. Um, Not better. I think this was really amazing to watch um, because it really lets you in and it's so colorful and vibrant in um, like the things that you learn about this community. Um, The book is really interesting because it has um, kind of throwbacks to when she was a child and how um, you kind of get her like origin story of how she never felt like she fit in. She didn't understand those girls who had, she says in the book, like modesty was just built into like their brains and she didn't really understand how to do that. She was sneaking books from a bookseller at a very early age and she um, kind of never really fit into the community. And so I'm really interested to kind of finish this book because it is very... Uh, it's different, but it's also very the same because it's two women going through kind of the same things. Hmm, interesting. But I guess the woman in the TV show, her backstory is different. But you do get to see a lot of really cool um, 
kind of traditions that you wouldn't see otherwise. So you can check out Unorthodox on Netflix right now? And yes. it's a Netflix original? It's a Netflix original, yeah. And they filmed it all in Germany. Except for the Brooklyn parts? No, they filmed it all in Germany. They made Brooklyn in Germany? Yeah. Huh, that yeah. seems like a odd way to go about it, but sure. Yeah, it was uh, It was really interesting to kind of see. Cool. Yeah. So should we move on to Disney Plus? Yes, let's talk about Disney Plus. Andy, what are you watching on Disney Plus? So I don't think Disney Plus is good. No. <laughs> I don't like it. I know everyone went nuts. like, oh, all the Disney stuff. But that's like 20 on the high end. Mm-hmm. Really good cartoon movies. And then what? A Song of the South. No, they're not going to put I that know, on. I, know. I I wish they would. For reasons. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it's great. You have Simpsons and classic Disney cartoons, and it's a lot of junk. But yeah. then again, I also don't think Netflix is that great. Yeah. Most of the Netflix originals, I think, are pretty weak, but they just get really popular because everyone has Netflix. Mm-hmm. And the, they're popular because it's popular. Because we've all had Netflix for like 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So on uh, Disney... I haven't found anything that I hadn't seen that was good. Of course, there's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I've seen all those. I own all those, so that's not the they, biggest selling feature. They're good. Simpsons is there, yeah. which is great. I guess I don't have to go to the shelf to get my DVDs. I can just put them on. Yeah. But one new thing I discovered was a cartoon called Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. And Gravity Falls is the best. It's rated as a 8.9 on IMDb. It's a perfect 100 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Wow. And it's a cartoon series. It's only two seasons long. It's created by Alex Hirsch. And the main voice actors are Jason Ritter and Kristen Schaal. Kristen Schaal's in every cartoon now, it seems. Mm-hmm. And Alex Hirsch does a voice as well. Linda Cardellini's in it. And I'm a very big fan of hers. I know you are. <laughs> Whenever she's on, I was like, oh, it's Linda Cardellini. I'm a big fan. Uh, John DiMaggio, who's like Bender, of course. Uh, TJ Miller is a character. Will Forte. And then they have a bunch of fun guest appearances like Nick Offerman, Nathan Fillion, Larry King, John Oliver, Patton Oswalt, uh, Weird Al. Uh, Jillian Bell, who we talked about last week, she's Jillian in it. Jillian Bell, yeah. So it's kind of reminiscent of X-Files in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. in that it deals with some supernatural stuff. There's an overarching plot about some sort of conspiracy or mystery, but then every now and then they do those Monster of the Week type episodes right. that are standalones that are really fun, and I kind of prefer that part just as I did with X-Files. Mm-hmm. Uh, It follows two twins who are, I think, 12 in it, because I think there's their 13th birthday in the second season. Right. Uh, Their names are Dipper and Mabel. (laughs) Dipper is kind of like an adventurous nerd. He's like out there to find the truth. He's very sincere and determined. Uh, Mabel obsesses over boy bands and her cute sweaters. And she has a pig named Waddles that she always plays with, which is also super cute. So they're boy-girl twins. Yes. Okay. And I love that this cartoon, although I'm sure the target audience, you know, I have no idea who the target audience is. Hmm. If seven-year-olds love this, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. If teenagers love this, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And I love it. It's kind of like for everyone. There's something there for everyone. There's um, interdimensional theorizing 
There's the heartbreak of unrequited childhood love. There's a multi-headed bear named Multi-Bear that's voiced by Alfred Molina. There's uh, discussions uh, about toxic masculinity. There's pretentious unicorns. There's there's just so much to it. And it's not like one of those adult shows that's um, like an adult cartoon that's really vulgar, like Family Guy, which I hate. And it's not. Yeah, I don't tend to enjoy that. No, and it's not a show about very weird things. Like, and it doesn't go as far as Rick and Morty, which I love, but it's a completely different type of thing. It seems like it's not directed at adults, but the characters are just so true and sincere that it appeals to more people than maybe its target audiences. Right. There are some kind of like more clever things that maybe kids wouldn't put, pick up on, but it's not adult humor that they sneak in like so many lazy cartoons do which always bothers me it has foreshadowing and callbacks there's little puzzles to solve there's little like actual puzzles of uh script in some sort of made-up language that you can try to decipher if you're really quick and on it but i never am that much of a nerd close but not quite (laughs) because i think what it comes down to is there's great writing on the show the characters always feel true to themselves and it doesn't feel like there's any weak episodes it's only two seasons which is a shame but it's two very strong seasons and i think quite a few episodes in each season i love the show because it shows that you don't need to be edgy or gross or controversial to have a cartoon that appeals to adults as well Mm -hmm. you can just be sincere smart and fun and that's something you don't get to see a lot of in this type of thing so Mm -hmm. i i really loved it oh it sounds really good such a sweet show too it's sweet but then there's also like horror elements and (laughs) sci-fi things it's just it's all over the place but in very good ways yeah so you can watch that on disney plus Maybe if everyone watches it, they'll get a third season. Oh, I'd like that for you. There's also, they have uh, Gravity Falls shorts on there, which are about a minute each and are also really fun. So watch a few of those and you'll kind of get a feel for the humor of the show and then you can go go watch it all. That's awesome. What are you watching on Disney Plus? Um, So I agree with you. Disney Plus kind of kind of sucks. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say, I agree with you. Gravity Falls. I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet. It, but you're kind of selling it to me too. So we've had Disney Plus for since Christmas probably. Around then. Around Christmas. Um, it was just last week that I realized that they had movies that I liked not when I was a child, but when I was like a teenager and in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I rediscovered 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. And then that brought up a whole bunch of other, like, movies in that same, kind of same genre, like Never Been Kissed, and, like, like they're not all gems, but it's, like, nostalgia. Yeah, those movies, that subgenre that you were talking about, I know it so well, and it's the most dated. Not yes. in a bad way of, like, oh, what are they doing then, but... It captures that time mm-hmm. so well. You can just look at a still from it and you see the cut of their jeans and their hairstyle. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Exactly. And I, I remember really liking 10 Things I Hate About You back like when it was new. I, I definitely watched it and enjoyed it just like because it was so nostalgic. And I was like, I remember loving this. And like it was it was enjoyable. I don't know that I loved it now, but I think um, the nostalgia category on Disney Plus is something that I was like excited to stumble across. Mm-hmm. So who was your main heartthrob from that one? Was it Joker or Robin? 
being uh, Heath Ledger or <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt? That took me a minute to get there. Uh, definitely Heath Ledger uh-huh. with his dreamy accent and when he sings and walks down the bleachers. That was awesome. More of a Joe Gord man myself. Were how you? do you how do you shorten his name? Jogo? <laughs> Jogo. Jogo Lev? Jogo Lev. Yeah, I'm more of a Jogo Lev man yeah. myself. Uh yeah, no, Heath Ledger and those dreamy locks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had a lot of fun watching it and I forgot how much I like Julia Styles. That's not a sentence a lot of people say. Yeah. I always look at them and go like, huh, I forgot that Julia Stiles was so employable for a while. wonder why that was. <laughs> but I guess she has an appeal. You loved her. I loved her. I was going to ask you to rank Julia Stiles movies and we'd really get into it. But that's maybe for our, our Julia Stiles podcast. Yeah. Um, what's... Called The Style of Stiles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we, we go. We talk about O on one episode. That dancing one, Save the Last Dance. Is that her? Oh, I like that one too. Thought you would. That's a good one. Oh, I'm gonna have to find that now. Um, I'm making a note for later for me to find Save the Last Dance. You can just listen to our podcast and then it'll remind you. Okay, perfect. I always do. Like ninety percent of our episodes I've listened to. Thanks. Thanks for being a fan. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I'm all about the nostalgia on Disney Plus. Um I'm not a huge fan of their new stuff, Disney fairy tale weddings and like all of the stuff that they're pumping out just to kind of promote the parks. They're trying to be Netflixy in a way of going like, okay, well, I guess Netflix doesn't have a lot of cooking shows, but they're that's a thing. Everyone has cooking shows. Let's do one too. And yeah. Wedding shows. Everyone has a wedding show. Let's do one too. Maybe they're trying to be TLC more than Netflix. Maybe. Um, the Disney fairy tale weddings is definitely very much like a like an ad for the parks. Mm-hmm. So you too can have a $50,000 wedding at nice. Disney. Um, and if you spend $200,000, we will give you absolutely anything that you could ever dream of or think of. Including an episode of your own TV show. Exactly. So it's definitely not. I don't like it because it's not kind of plausible for the regular person. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Yeah, you can dream about all that stuff, but... They make it, they don't ever give you prices and they make it seem like anyone can just walk into Disney and get that wedding. And it, it's it's a little misleading. Like with the TLC shows and you watch Say Yes to the Dress and stuff, you see the $10,000 price tag on the dresses. So you see these huge, fluffy, amazing gowns and they're all ten to $20,000 and you know how much they cost. And I think it's a little misleading for Disney to be making a wedding show and not telling you that it costs $200,000. Yeah, but it's Disney. That's that's their brand is fairy tale, right? It's fantasy and fairy true, tale. True, true. I feel like I just want to say so much about Disney, but it would lose like the very few listeners we have because our listeners, I would bet a majority of them are between 25 and 40 and love Disney stuff. Probably. I just want to say people like, that's great. You love Disney? Great. But don't pretend like you're unique and original for loving <laughs> Disney. It is probably the most popular thing in the world. That's like saying like, hey, I drink uh, cola. Uh, you may not have heard of it, but I'm a little different. I'm a guy <laughs> in my 30s, but I still drink cola. Oh my God, you're going to like, we're going to have no listeners. <laughs> it's going to go to zero next I'm week. I'm saying it's fun and good. Yeah. But don't think that you're the, you discovered Disney. It's literally one of the most popular things in the world. <laughs> true. Very True. Maybe I'll just cut this part out. <laughs> I think Disney is good. They're, the stuff they've done is very good. I think it is a terrible company as far as uh, the future of filmmaking and art. 
Because when you have Marvel, Star Wars, everything owned by one company, it's just a bad idea. And those movies, yeah, they are all getting worse. Because you can't have one big board of executives determining the outcome of that many different franchises and mm-hmm. artistic brands, right? Yeah, that's fair. It's that's a bad fair. idea. But Disney World is so fun. What if I was just this whole time being paid by Six Flags? That's all I am. <laughs> You're like a secret Six Flags? Yeah. Like, Well, let me tell you about Six Flags and so, their new movies. And I'd be like, Indy, this is the seventh episode in a row you've <laughs> talked about Six Flags. They don't have movies. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Remember that old man that would dance to the Venga Boy song? No. No, I think it was a Six Flags thing. It was very annoying. Okay. Someone out there is listening along going, yeah, I know what you mean. Also, get on with it. (laughs) So get on with it. We shall. Okay, well. Let's round it out with Amazon. Amazon Prime Video, which I got, I'm sure, just like everyone else by accident when they signed up for a Prime membership. And it ended up being one of our favorite streaming services of this quarantine. Okay, so I'm going to come out and say some controversial things. First, non-controversial, their interface on Amazon is terrible. It's terrible, yeah. You can't find anything unless you know what you're looking for and search it in. Yeah. Even if you search for an actor's name, movies with them won't be the first thing that comes up. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. There's no, like, genres to search through Mm -hmm. unless it's one of their features. Yeah, you can't search, like, adventure or romance or, like comedy it's like you have to know exactly what the movie is called or have an idea of at least one of the words in the title yeah so it doesn't give you great options for browsing and going like oh hey i didn't know they had this it just it's not good for that you can't just type in 1970s and a bunch of movies from the 70s come up only movies with the title with the words 1970s will come up which is stupid but i think amazon has the best content out of all three of these it's really good content Because I've been on record for saying I don't like Netflix original stuff. So then when it comes down to is the movies that they have that are made from other places. And Amazon has a great variety. Uh, So much so that I didn't know what to pick for this. Because I was looking through and I was just kind of scrolling. And then I came across Sin City, It Follows, Lord of War, Ex Machina, The Godfather movies, Jaws, The Lighthouse, City of God, Whiplash. And I was like... Any one of those could be my pick. But then I thought all of those could be full episodes. Mm -hmm. So I went a different way. And I am choosing the Nicolas Cage movie Left Behind. Oh. From 2014, which is a 3.1 on IMDb and a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. One out of 100. Are you familiar with the Left Behind series? No, I am not. Are you familiar with The Rapture? Yes. As like, as an idea? Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were asking me about a movie and I no, had to think about it for a the minute. Rapture. No, I'm familiar with The Rapture, yes. So this is, do all Christians believe it or is it just certain parts? Oh God, I'm not ready to get into a religious talk tonight. <laughs> okay, many Christians believe <laughs> that when the, when the rapture happens, good righteous Christians will be kind of pulled right out from our world and into heaven while uh, like the forces of darkness come and take over the world during Armageddon, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's say it's mostly Sounds that. about right. Um, I know- apologize if we're getting this really wrong. <laughs> there was a series of books called Left Behind that was about the people toiling on Earth after the rapture. Mm-hmm. And then they started making those into movies starring Kirk Cameron, who is a... Uh, 
pretty crazy human being. And he made nothing but these really devout Christian movies. But then for some reason in 2014, uh, the company got some money somehow. And they said, look, let's make a big budget version of this. And let's get Nick Cage for the lead because he's always great. And we want to get our Christian message out in a blockbuster movie. <laughs> so this sounds like a terrible another idea. way that I'm probably going to lose a lot of listeners you can't talk about how you are persecuted and not going to exist soon when you literally can make blockbuster movies about your religious points of view. So yeah, no, that's said, not how that works. We're being legislated out. You're not. You're doing just fine, Christians. You have a Nick Cage movie. Oh, I guess that's a sign of trouble, though. That's why it was so groundbreaking that I got to like watch this amazing show about Hasidic Jew Jewish people. It's like... But it wasn't... A movie about, like, a Jewish story coming to real life. No, but it was, like, a little seen part of that community. Sure. And that was amazing. But no, we but don't But it's not a piece of propaganda by the Jewish propaganda community. Propaganda blockbusters. Yeah. No. But we do, because Left Behind is, oh, such a piece of shit. But if you've already seen Wicker Man and Deadfall and Vampire's Kiss, and you just need more bad Nick Cage movies, there are many. But, uh... I'm going to say check out Left Behind because it's ridiculous on a lot of ways. Nick Cage, always ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But also, like, the terrible thing that these, like, heathens were going to do is, like, we're going to go to a U2 concert because, like, rock and roll is evil. Right. And just the back and forth between the Christians and the non-Christians before the rapture is just, ooh, it's rough. It's all a very painful movie. It's very stupid. It's not as bad and fun as those other Nick Cage ones I talked about. Like, right. go find Deadfall, because, ooh, that's, that's some the best caging it up that I've ever seen. Like, the cage rage in that one is, is, is full-blown. I don't even understand how he can still work. All he does is work. All he does is make billion-dollar movies oh all over God. the place and get paid, like, $6 million He each doesn't time. even say lines. He just screams at people. Uh, he's saying the bees. That's what he's saying when he's screaming. Not the bee. Okay, after this, we'll go watch Wicker Man or Deadfall. Okay, sounds great. But anyways, uh, check out Left Behind. It's terrible. I can't believe it was ever made. They need to do this on How Did This Get Made? Because I really want to know, how did it get made? It's on Amazon now. It's a terrible movie. Check it out. Great. You really sold that. <laughs> what are you watching on Amazon? I am watching a show uh, currently, so I'm not done yet, but I'm watching The Good Wife, and it is uh, very entertaining. Um, it's based uh, kind of loosely inspired by um, political scandals um, such as Bill Clinton and John Edwards in the States, and uh, how their wives are lawyers, and how um, when they were being investigated and they were kind of unable to work due to all of the allegations and claims against them. Um, their wives ended up becoming the breadwinners and that kind of thing. So it's based on a fictitious uh, couple. Um, and the wife ends up going back to work um, to support the family while the husband is in jail. Uh, so it stars Chris Noth and Juliana Margulies um, as husband and wife. And uh, it's kind of a neat story about how um, 
him going to jail kind of affects uh, his wife and their kids and her ability to kind of work in the public sector as a lawyer. And um, he was formerly uh, the state's attorney, so he had a very high-profile job, so it's very hard for her to kind of get back to normal life after. And it's... um, it's been a really good show. There's kind of, um, it's kind of like Law and Order where there's a different case every single time. A procedural. Yeah, a procedural. So there's a different case every time. Um, but there are some stories that kind of flow between episodes. So um, I really enjoy it. There are seven seasons of it and I'm not through the first season because the first season I think has like 22 episodes in it. Uh, so I will be watching this one for a while, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and uh, I think everyone should watch it. Everyone? Most people. No, I don't think you should watch it. <laughs> you don't like procedurals. I don't. It's like the old um, writing backwards sort of thing. They have how this person could be proven innocent, and then they just kind of... There's happenstance and luck and then some genius ingenuity. They go like, well, actually, if you look at this and this, but at this time, this and this, and see, they're innocent. And everyone's like, wow. And all done in 44 minutes. Is it a 44-minute show? It was for TV. So, yeah, I'm assuming it was about 40. 40 to 46 minutes, it says. I like definitely don't think it's a show that's, like, very serious and, you know, that you have to, like, do a lot of focus. Um but I think it's a nice kind of fun show to watch, and it's uh, kind of light. Yeah, and Juliana Margulies is good, and it has um, Josh Charles is in it. He yeah. doesn't do much, but I always liked him because when I was a kid, I saw him in Dead Poets Society. Right. And then, since then, every time he comes up, I always still think of him as that kid, even though he's been acting for like decades and decades. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like him. Um, it's got Christine Baranski in it. Believe a woman named Archie Punjabi is on it. Really? Yeah. Is there like one brown woman yes, in the show? Yes, she plays. That's her name. She plays Kalinda. I did not know that what was a her name. name. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, she's fantastic. She's in almost every episode. Um, she plays a uh, private investigator for the firm. Oh, that's also my nickname when I dyed my hair red. Archie Punjabi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so there's fun, there's kind of fun guest appearances and, uh, good kind of side storylines. And then it's also got a spinoff, um, that includes some of the main characters, but not Juliana Margulies or Chris Noth. Oh, what's that called? It's called The Good Fight. Is, so I was walking by the other day when you were watching it, and I thought I saw Alan Cumming. Yes. Alan Cumming's in it? Alan Cumming's oh, in maybe it. Maybe I would watch it. Just I... occasionally. He plays a lawyer that kind of comes in and out occasionally. Is he American in it? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I love Alan Cumming. I don't know why he's done such bad movies. Such, such bad movies. But man, I love that guy. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a fun show because it constantly changes up the cast of characters and it's very like fresh every episode. And then, yeah, you get, you get some really good actors and people that you kind of don't expect to see in your kind of day-to-day show. Like Alan Cumming. Like Alan Cumming. He'll always be the MC from Cabaret to me. Oh, yeah, so watch it, The Good Wife. It's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that you're not getting too bored with your streaming services and that we can help you find some new gems. Yeah, you probably have like 200 hours of The Good Wife. Yeah. All you out there. Exactly. There you go. So the real reason we're here today 
is to talk about our next movie. What? I thought we were done. Oh, man. I know. It's almost nine o'clock. Kind of forgot to pick a movie. Um, what? So, no, I got one. I got one. <laughs> For this movie, I am going to do something a little bit different because I think the movie I'm going to show you is not a movie I'd consider one of my favorites. And I'm not entirely sure I love it. I definitely like it. Interesting. I definitely think it's something that everyone should watch. But during this time, I wanted to get something that you don't need to go to the library and get a DVD because they're all closed. That's why I'm home all day long. Oh, is that why? Pretty much. <laughs> also, I thought I should go with something that is on one of the popular streaming services, just in case people haven't seen it, they can now. But we are getting far fewer listens these days because I think a lot of people listen to podcasts on their commute, things like that. So our numbers are way down. So I thought I'm going to pick a movie that maybe doesn't have a lot of appeal because no one's really listening anyway. (laughs) But people who do love this movie would definitely listen despite it not fitting into their schedule anymore. Right. So the movie I have chosen, something that's new, something that's still weird and artsy, but widely available is... The Lighthouse from 2019. Okay. So The Lighthouse was directed by Robert Eggers, who's done two movies. And now that I think about it, I don't even think The Lighthouse is my favorite movie of his. I think I like The Witch better. So this is my least favorite Robert Eggers movie. Oh. It stars uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, who are otherwise known as Harry Potter's big brother. What's that guy's name? (laughs) Cedric Diggory and the Green Goblin, or Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, okay. Is that his name? Cedric Diggory? Yeah, but he's not Harry Potter's big brother. Yeah, he's something like that. <laughs> no, he's classmate. <laughs> no, but he's he's like a big brother to him. And no one else. It's just the two of them. I also thought it would be very fitting because hopefully it doesn't mimic what happens to the two of us, but it's we're just two people trapped in a small place. Just like Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson in this movie. So it's really about isolation. I also, you know how I love, I like weirder movies. Mm -hmm. I like movies that are kind of called art house and that kind of thing. Correct. So this is definitely one of those. And when we talk about movies that are bordering on that, you would often ask me like, well, but like, what's the actual answer? What's it? really mean what really happened Mm -hmm. and i thought this would be a good one because i have no answers to you this is all gonna be about like maybe it's this and we'll just uh theorize okay which is a thing we haven't really done not really i'm a little afraid now your face looks like you're very afraid but that's the thing it's no wrong answers okay if you're like i think this whole thing uh, was predicting the future when you and i would be trapped in this condo forever and eventually we'd go crazy and then the mermaids would come and be like, yeah, it's probably right. It's as good as anything I got. Do you know anything about this movie? No. I walked in one night when you were watching it, but... What did you think then? It's like in the little ratio for the TV. Yes. It's, I think, even more than a 4 by 3 4 by 3 is what we were probably a lot of us grew up on. Um, and this, it uses technology from close to the time where it takes place Hmm. it takes place in the 1890s and a lot of the lenses that they're using are also from like the 1920s ish yeah it looked very simple that may not be the right word but it looked very it's in black and white yeah um let's watch a little trailer and then you can tell me what you think 
Major Larsky believe? He believed that there was some enchantment in the light. Went mad, he did. Tall tales. But... That's a good trailer. I don't know. I, uh, how did that movie get made? Do you mean like literally? Like what techniques did they employ no, to get that look? No, I mean. Because I have answers for that. How did they get money to make that movie? So uh, we can get into it, but there's this production house called A24 who is just brilliant. And I'm so thankful that they exist. It's it's the antithesis of Disney. Mm-hmm. They They take chances they do weird stuff, and I think most of the time it's brilliant. A lot of the time it's junk. This is the case with everything. But you know what? I was saying, like, oh, I don't know if I really loved it. I just watched that trailer. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Okay. What I'll are, give what it are a you feeling? Um, yeah, of course. I'm feeling like that looks like the weirdest shit I've ever seen. This is just a step into when we get into like proper weird stuff. Because this still has like a narrative story and everything and mm-hmm. has characters going through things. So it's not like just complete art house junk. There is a good bit of that. But it is a story about two people and their relationship in, in isolation. Right. So it's for the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is another reason why I picked yes. it. Yes. You look not happy what's the opposite of enthusiastic uh cautious grimly cautious perhaps okay i'm grimly cautious about this movie that's a good way to put it um i don't know what to expect honestly that was such a weird trailer and like a weird thing to see i i don't know they just said what the entire trailer (laughs) and then there was like rain and dancing and i oh i we'll see you know, I always get all the flack for like, well, you hated um, whatever movie, Holiday in the Wild. If you think this looks terrible, please. I think it looks like a movie I'm not going to enjoy. That's fair. Honestly. You might not. This is not a movie that like, because like I'll watch the trailers on the streaming services, mm-hmm. like all of them. I'll watch like if it's something that even looks like either weird or interesting, I'll be like, oh, maybe I'll like it. So I'll watch the trailer. That is not a trailer that I would continue on to watch the movie. I don't want to be too much of a prognosticator or make judgments about what you'll like. But yeah, you're probably not going to like this. (laughs) Okay, so I need to go back to the beginning of the episode when we figured out that our title is I Love This, You Should Too. You should like it. Yeah, I don't think 
am going to. No, you might. You're probably not. <laughs> but you should. Okay. And what I think we'll gain through our discussion is, yeah, you might hate it. You might just be confused. You might just be bored. Hopefully you're not bored. Because that one, there's not much, nowhere to go from that. If you're bored, it's just like, well, then what was the point of it all? Mm -hmm. If you hated it or were confused, there's a lot more to talk about. And I feel like if we talk about this, you gain some sort of appreciation. Not love, not even like or enjoyment, but some sort of appreciation. Okay. That opens the door to so many other movies that are just a little bit weird. <laughs> okay, I'm open to learning appreciation. <laughs> I will give it a chance. <laughs> Your eyes are rolling. They're, right, they're rolling so hard right now. <laughs> I will give it a chance. Yeah. And I will watch it all the way through. Well, yeah, you have to. That's what we do on the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm promising you that I'll watch it all the way through. <laughs> and for you out there, it's available on Amazon Video. If you like something weird, you're going to love it. If you think it's going to be terrible, maybe you're one of those people. Do a bunch of edibles, hang out, watch The Lighthouse. That'll probably be fun. Do we get to get high while we watch this movie? You can get high whenever you want. We live in Canada. <laughs> oh, it's legal. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so sure. I don't think I have much more to add because I think everything to say about this movie we have to kind of talk about after watching it. That's fair. The performances. If nothing else, there's one thing I would not take much pushback on is that these performances are brilliant. They are both so good. I would really like to see Robert Pattinson in a movie that he wasn't a sparkly vampire. So, so let's do that. I've never seen Twilight movies so in my mind, Robert Pattinson is a great actor. I've only seen him oh be very God, good. I know what we're doing next time we like... Twilight? Yeah. I saw most of one of them. Okay, I well, don't know which one. You have to watch them all in order, though. No, there's like... Three. Isn't there four? Because I think they split one like Harry Potter style. Oh, maybe they did. It, it might be four. Um, and um, no, unless it's a pick on this podcast. No, I'm not watching those. But... He's done a lot of really good stuff. A lot of small things, but he's a brilliant actor, I think. And the same with Willem Dafoe. He's been like a powerhouse guy for 30 years now. Probably more. Well, I look forward to watching this. Do you? That was so hesitant. Um, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're saying those words, <laughs> but your face does not convey the same message. It's a podcast, Indy. Don't tell them about my face. <laughs> no talking about faces. Um, no, I will watch it with an open mind, and then I will give you my full opinion after. Yeah, please do. And yeah, everyone out there as well, if you can get a hold of it, watch it. It's It's an experience. Well, should we wrap up our 50th episode? Dun, 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 dun. Who would have thought that we would do 50 episodes? That's crazy. I thought. You know how you can tell I thought? I number all of our stuff. The 50th episode is still 050 because in my mind, I have such a uh, meticulous mind for things being in numerical order. Yeah. And being in order. You think we're going to get to three digits? That I thought if we get to 100 and I have to go from 99 to 100, it would bother me because in a lot of podcast services it would jump that to the beginning oh. so that's why i still put the zero i the wondered time. why you numbered them i just went with it <laughs> we're getting to 100 we're getting to 100 we're halfway there okay well we're gonna go watch the lighthouse 
and you should too. And then uh, we will meet back next week on Monday and discuss The Lighthouse. (laughs) Goodbye.